0: I've been a priest for 18 years, and one of the things I always love being asked is by a lector who rushes into the vesturing room before a service, the reader, and the reader just hasn't had time to look in advance at the readings, and the reader always says, are there any hard words in there for me? The answer today would be yes. Colin did a great job with the hard words, and he didn't rush into the sacristy, The words underscore the drama of the entire reading and the particular places um, that we have to imagine because we've probably not been there add to the drama Phrygia and Pamphylia, Mesopotamia and Cappadocia. All the drama underscores difference in these strange lands and the people who come from them. And it sets the stage for the drama of this entire Reading, which is about the vision and the coming of this strange, bright Holy Spirit that descends upon us like flames of tongue. It's truly one of the, the funniest readings ever because we hear it bright and early, in this case at 8 a.m. It's funny because as this experience happens as the Spirit descends upon everyone, as they understand everyone in their native languages, as there's this crossing of the divide across all the places, people, of course, sneer. You know, they're drunk with new wine. And then Peter's great line, they're not drunk. It's too early. It's nine in the morning. We would say it's eight in the morning. Instead, Peter says... It's exactly as the prophet Joel promised. It's what Joel told us all along would happen. This is what it would be like. The Spirit would descend upon all flesh. Your children will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Are there any old men here who want to dream some more dreams? Reich just raised his hand. Even upon my slaves, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. Your sons and your daughters will have visions. That's what it will be like. Another way of putting it is my people, God's people will see things, even the things of God. And that's what's happening in this vision. And the remarkable thing is, wherever you're from, Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Phrygia, pamphylia wherever you're from, you're able to recognize each other. You're able to receive the dream of the other. You're able to hear the prophecy or vision of the slaves. And vice versa, there's this incredible translation that's incurring because of the Spirit. And If I had to pick one word for what the Spirit is like in this reading, it would be a translator. A translator who both intensifies and unifies the differences among people so that they're able to recognize one another. A translator who's able to get to the deeper source of meaning and above all of truth that people are speaking. A translator who helps all of us to listen and share our dreams and our visions. And this is why, and explains why people of the Spirit, people of the Spirit are able to recognize one another. Especially across great divides, even divides of language and of religion. People of the Spirit can look one another in the eyes and recognize each other. One of the great facts of human history. It may be providential that we welcome on Pentecost of all days our new director of music, Michael Boney. And it may be providential because the, the spirit is the music maker. The spirit is the breath within each of us. Without the spirit, there's no music. And of course, music is that which intensifies and unifies our voices, our differences, bringing harmony, the universal language. The Spirit is also that which helps us to improvise and I can't think of anything that's more necessary in the spiritual life and especially in the church today with what we face within and without. This is a season of improvisation and that's always the work of the Holy Spirit, is it not? We have to be more flexible even in our own spiritual lives than we ever realized we would have to be before, or could be before. The spirit helps us to do that. The remarkable thing about the spirit is that it should not be imagined hierarchical. Michael Boni has great gifts. St. Peter is called a saint. Mary Magdalene was at the empty tomb. But what's incredible about these readings is that we have as much spirit as all of them do. It's not a zero sum game to see who has more of the spirit than someone else. The spirit's within each of us. Twenty years ago, I was at the wedding of my best friend from seminary, who's named Jonah. And the wedding was beautiful. I got to do it, and then we went to the reception. The wedding was not beautiful because I did it. It was just beautiful. <laughs> um, went to the reception afterward, and the band was playing all of that, and there were some toast, and, and the father of Jonah gave a toast to the couple. And he, he, he toasted Jonah's wife, and then he said to Jonah, he said, I want to say something about you, speaking to his son. He said, I've always known you were remarkable, But I've never quite known what it was and I now know what it is as I see you on this occasion. You have soul. You have soul. It was the sweetest thing I think I've ever heard a dad say or a parent say. I haven't forgotten it in 20 years. It's the kind of thing parents should say. It's also parents can be a little bit um, dramatic about it because if Jonah has soul the point of all these readings is you do too and I do as well it's not a competition and the soul that is the spirit of God in our very depths is, is within each and every one of us There's a a philosopher from the 5th or the 6th century that's always fascinated me. His name is uh, Pseudo-Dionysius. Don't worry, why? But he has this incredible book about the divine names, about why God is called what God is called. And in this riff on the Holy Spirit, Pseudo-Dionysius says this, The soul has movement too. And the soul moves in a circle. And then he goes on to explain, the soul moves into a circle because it's always incorporating what it experiences or sees out there into itself. And this is the glory of what it means to be a human being and a spiritual person. Experience is not just out there. For experience really to take root within us, whether it's the mystery of the cosmos, the mystery of love, the tragedies of human existence, or God, God's very self. For us finally to get it, it has to become internal, thought about, internalized, reflected upon, soaked in, in our very being, in our very depths. That's what it means in part to be a spiritual person. For our souls constantly to move in circles. It's a part of our glory. And it's a glory though that we can only experience if we take the time to say these prayers. And find spaces really to contemplate what it is we've seen and felt. Especially the mystery of God. Let me say it in a less abstract way. A couple of weeks ago I was talking with a priest I'd not met before, Neil Dow, and um, he he's been a priest longer than I've been alive, and he wouldn't mind me saying that. And he was telling me at dinner, he said, I've I've studied chemistry, I've studied psychology, I've been a parish priest for decades. And here's what I've learned. I'm going to tell you what I've learned. I want you to tell your people what I've learned. And if you tell your people what I've learned, all you've got to do is give, give me credit for it. I said, yes, Father Dow. He said, chemicals react. Human beings respond. So if you overreact, your chemicals are off. I thought that was funnier than you did and deeper it's the glory of being human is being a spiritual being and that all that appears to be outside of us even the very things of god in order to be gotten and felt and known must be internalized or in the words of paul it's always the spirit of god interacting with our very spirits.